broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Thank you for joining us today on Midtown Business Radio. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the show. Thanks for making us a part of your day-to-day again, as usual, on a Tuesday afternoon. Very happy to be joined in studio today with uh, three folks that are, uh, you know, very cool. I'm very happy to have gotten a chance to meet them through the show. Uh, I've got uh, on the board our usual producer extraordinaire, Christopher Hey, hey, C.W. You're in for it today. You got a room full of sassy (laughs) ladies and me. I'll tell you what. (laughs) It's been one of those days. And uh, getting right down to our guest, we've got uh, Diana Keogh, the founder of Sherwick Media. Thanks for taking some time. Well, thanks for having me. We've got Leanne Maxwell, the founder of Vixen Vodka, and she was introduced to us by our other guest, Laura Hodson of Now Account. So thank you both uh, also for joining us in the studio today. And uh, the topic of the day was going to be getting some information from you experts as entrepreneurs um, who are women in the business arena to get an idea from you. What kind of challenges did you face as a woman trying to start a business, you know, in your respective industries? I know that each of you, you know, over time, as I've gotten to know you, have kind of talked about some of the things that you ran into that made it a little bit difficult to get started in some ways. But then you've also seen some strengths. So that's kind of what I was hoping to do. But first, we'll take a, a minute and kind of learn a little bit about each of your, you know, respective businesses. So, Diana, why don't you start, you know, and, and introduce us to Sherwick just for those who haven't met you before. My pleasure. Um, Well, Sherwick Media, I I launched in 2010, and we are a content creation company, and we specialize in health and wellness content, and we create that content for other media companies as well as everyone within the healthcare channel. So that's pretty much what we do. It's everywhere from video to editorial content, infographics, clients is, um, you know, ranging from Coca-Cola to GE Healthcare to, you know, very small mom and pop. So we, we... we, because we specialize in health and wellness, and everybody that works for me are healthcare journalists in one form or the other, producers, writers, directors, there's no learning curve. So we have a deep knowledge of the healthcare space. Um, you don't have to tell us the difference between a payer and an insurer. You know, we, we know all that. So we also know that um, one study does not a finding make, and uh, we know the difference between a first-tier first journal and a secondary. So um, that's that's basically what Sherwood Media is. And you... you- you left a, a position where you were acting, you know, in the role of a journalist, um, writing front page type uh, pieces for a, a paper in the Midwest mm-hmm. um, before you relocated here. Uh, I believe it was your husband's work had brought you all here. Is that it's right? Always initially? A man. Yeah. It's always the man's We're always fault. messing things up like that. But uh, what you got here and kind of the, the idea came to you to, to, you know, start this company and it's kind of taken off yeah well I wanted to write again so I was a front page series writer for the the plane dealer and had been there um, for a long time and also my contract allowed me to report for National Public Radio um, it was funny too because I was lecturing on on Saturday at uh, uh, EMBA class and uh, everybody kept saying you look so familiar but it ends up they actually recognized my voice which is always kind of <laughs> funny to me um, <clears throat> because I do have one of those faces that everybody recognizes. I don't know why, so because I, you know, I look like everybody else. But anyway, back to what I was talking about. So I was there and moved to the, uh, the Atlanta area um, and had a very nice gig at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. They let me pick my own projects. I still had to cover breaking news, but I got to work on some really, really great stories. But and you were having um, to travel all the time doing that, weren't you? I didn't have to travel a lot. I um, Periodically, if the story was in North Carolina out of Duke, um, university then I was there if I had to do a profile of someone in Chicago I was there but it wasn't a lot but the traveling I was doing is after I moved here and I was traveling between here and the Cleveland right. area for over a year and a half mm-hmm. and um, I have four kids and at the time I had three of my four boys home and uh, really became an actor in my own life so after doing that for a year and a half and missing just about every activity they were doing or substantial thing in their life I walked away from it but it still left me with the dilemma if you're doing what you've always wanted to do, what do you do next? And um, when it came down to my husband asking me the same question over and over again, what it, what was it that you loved the most about your job? It really came down to the fact that I loved telling people stories. And um, a lot of times with the series that I was working on, people were going through health care crises. And if any of you have been through a health care crisis, you know it's very lonely. 
because people will ask you how you're feeling and they're expecting you to say fine. They don't <laughs> yeah, they want don't you wanna, to. <laughs> they want to know the yeah, story. They don't. They, they, <laughs> they may be interested, but they don't actually for, you know, like if you experience a loss, um, people always think if they ask you about it, they're just going to bring it to mind, not knowing that you're thinking about it all the time anyway. Right. Um, and the kindest thing you can do is let somebody be themselves and actually say, I'm sad or I haven't forgotten. And even though my husband died two years ago, I think about it every day. Um, so those were the types of stories that I was writing. So I wanted to figure out how to do that online. And at the time, the AJC was about um, to let, you know, they were letting hundreds of people going, let, letting, they were laying them off. They were also, CNN was like the bleed, the thousands of people um, was starting at that time as well. Right. So, and all the new media was really starting at that time. So I did a little research and um, launched in 2010 with this website, which was going to be always smart and sometimes sassy, female geared website with people looking straight in the camera. And this is what you need to know if you're going to go through X. These are the lessons learned, mistakes made. If I wish I could do this all over again and I, this is what I wish someone would have told me. And um, people were just sharing their stories. And we, in the women here in this room, we know that we don't even get our hair cut or most of the face cream or makeup we use is because someone recommended it, right? Mm -hmm. All right, more so with the healthcare crisis. The first thing that women do when we walk out of a doctor's office or have a problem with our, ch our children is we either call our moms or we call somebody that we know might know someone that has already been through it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I created Sharewick actually stands for Share What I Know. And then I had experts speaking to it. And so it was a basically every week we published a multimedia story on a topic with the personal story with experts speaking to it. And then I had 14 writers that were working for me. And they were all experts in their field. And four, um, four months later after I launched, I, the, my old newspaper came to me and asked me if they could use my content. I said, sure. I gave it to them for them to kind of build out their content. Um, and then four weeks after that happened, I had a major media company ask me for the content, and I said, sure, and then they asked me how much I charged, and I was like, oh, oh my God, wow. <laughs> I'm a journalist, I'm not used to being paid. You know, it was yeah. kind of a shock <laughs> that someone wanted to pay me for what we were doing, and then that kind of just opened the gates with one me you know, media company after another asking mm -hmm. if they could use our content rebranded and otherwise, and um, I knew I was onto something. So we s shifted from being a website and building traffic to them being a distribution model, content and syndication. And then two years ago, we had a corporate client come to us and ask if they could use our content. And oh, by the way, can you build it, um, put it into kind of um, content modules? And can you build the software? And you know, I'm. I said yes, even though I had no idea how to build software. <laughs> yeah, see, here someone offers you an amazing opportunity. You're not sure you can do it. Say yes and learn how to do it later. And right? who said that? Richard Branson. Yeah, so basically <laughs> I said yes, and I figured out, and we had about an 18-week deadline to do this in. <laughs> <laughs> so actually it was in um, January 1st, two years ago, that we actually had to have this up and running. That meant we had to migrate all of our content onto this new platform. So we had basically nine weeks to build it because it took us a long time to you know, it was hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content that we had to reformat and, you know, anyway. So that kind of really expanded us from being just a distribution model into the whole world of corporate wellness. And then from there, we've taken off to anybody that really needs their story, um, any type of uh, production work or content licensing or content built, whether it be in inbound or outbound marketing um, image pieces from healthcare into non-healthcare as well. Yeah, I've seen some of the video that you've put out, and it's it's really compelling the the way you light and shoot it, uh, multiple cameras, all those types of things that kind of really let you add to the emotional feel and uh, the intimate feel of the piece. Uh, it's really there, so it's very cool to see that. When you were getting things started. Um, you've talked about some of the kind of misadventures along the way as it related to being a woman as you were kind of talking, you know, uh, whether you were being interviewed, for example, you can tell that story. But, um, you know, outside of situations like that, what as a as a woman starting a business and, and talking to executives that may or may not be a woman, I mean, along the way, we're, what kind of challenges would you say kind of came from, you know, being a woman who's who's the leader of this company? Well, there's many. Um, I've never managed. Um, the management I've had would be interns um, from the position that I came from. So the learning curve, I feel like I've gone through an MBA. Mm. Um, learning, you know, as a journalist, I never had to put a power. I mean, it's hard to believe I never had to work with PowerPoint. Why would I? 
Right. Um, and so I had to learn PowerPoint, Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, I'm a journalist. The joke with journalism majors is the reason we go into journalism is because we're really bad at math. So, um, and it's, you know, not necessarily true in my case, but, you know, spreadsheets are not my friend, but they've now had to become my friend. But I also had to learn early on that there were things that I was not good at. And so one of the things that you have to learn as a female entrepreneur or an entrepreneur is that you need to, first of all, find people that are better than you are and hire them to do Mm -hmm. those things that you're not good at. Mm -hmm. So I found somebody that was a CFO that could take over all of the finances. First, I had a bookkeeper that could keep me accountable to not only the taxes that need to be paid, but payroll and, you know, everything else. And then now I have a CFO. But also in production, I had to hire somebody that had a, you know, an extensive production background so we could actually get better. So, you know, if you are not surrounding yourself with people that are better than you are and, um, and open to the fact that you might be wrong or that they might have a better idea on how to do things, you're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, now the challenge is always finding salespeople that are actually ha- can capture the passion and can actually have the um, depth of knowledge in the healthcare field. That's been a really big challenge. But, you know, also being a female in the South, um, as much of a cliche as it sounds, um, it's it's tough to be a woman in business in the South. And especially if you're um, going to the venture groups or trying to raise money, um, there's not many of us, first of all, you know, to have three in, in the room at the same time, there's not many of us as, you know, they're all nodding. Um, and so it's, it's an old boys network. And, you know, I've only been in Atlanta as a female entrepreneur. So I don't know if it's like this, if you're not a female entrepreneur, but it is an old boys network. So most of the things that you go to, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, I'm the only woman in the room a lot of the time. And most of the time they assume that I'm with somebody else, male somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I actually introduce myself, because, you know, they're always looking over my shoulder to see who I'm with. And if I say I'm CEO, they're like, oh, and then they'll ask, well, what do you do? And they assume I'm going to be like selling Avon or something. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I have 11 employees. They're like, oh, really? Well, you know, well your makeup always, is gorgeous. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge to get um, to have that respect. Um, immediately when you walk into the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's all the time, and I'm not saying it's every man, but it is an old boys network. Mm-hmm. And you talked about <laughs> one time you were invited to be on a TV show. Yes, I was. And, you know, you're going to be there talking about Sherwick Media as the CEO and founder and, and sharing your story through a television show. And talk about what happened while you were waiting to go in <laughs> with the other two stories. executives well, that were going to be I interviewed was, alongside yeah, you. So Not I've, with you, but, you know, in addition were, to you. They were in addition to me. And, and they walked in and I introduced myself to them and, you know, asked what they did and what their businesses were. And they, of course, shared openly about what they did and who they were. They never asked me a single question. And, um, and I don't know why they didn't know that I was on the show or, or maybe especially because I was sitting in the makeup chair um, when they were still in the room. So I'm not sure why that connection didn't happen. But they also had their entourages with them. I came alone. And um, and I I kind of I knew the television station. So I was going to meet everybody in the um, the studio and they were getting a tour and I didn't need a tour. So I met everybody in there and I was kind of walking in. They had their entourages and I was walking in behind. And um, the host of the show said, hey, you know, so-and-so, I'm really happy to, to meet you, Mr. So-and-so, and can't wait to sit down and talk to you. Mr. So-and-so, great to see you. Can't wait to talk to you. Their entourage has passed. And he goes, oh, and who are you? And I said, well, I'm Diana Keogh. He goes, oh, my God, I'm going to be interviewing you. And um, <laughs> the two heads of the gentleman kind of flipped around, and they were like, really? Like, who are you? <laughs> so I was sitting there, and, you know, the other gentleman, one of the gentlemen went first, and at that point, somebody that was with them leaned over and asked me if I could fix their person's makeup. And um, I'm like, I am not the makeup person. Oh and I, this is really bad. Forgive my black heart, but I actually enjoyed when I stood up to be interviewed that she, like, wanted to crawl underneath her chair. Yeah. Did you whip your hair, too, as you got up? Because that's what I would have done. And I went, <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but I wanted to. So... <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, talk about, you know, along with that, you know, there obviously there's some challenges and, and there's men obviously in our community that are used to doing business with men apparently. Uh, and, you know, as, as I've gone through, you know, the weeks of the show and getting to know people, I mean, I've gotten an opportunity to meet numerous women that have, uh, you know, started companies. Um, what, what do you feel like, you know, is a strength, you know, that comes from being a woman in, you know, in the business world? Oh, strength. Um, I can read a room. Uh, most women, when we walk into a room, can read it immediately. We're um, sometimes to a fault. We want to see the people that work for us succeed. Um, we have more of an inspirational leadership style and uh, are one, wanting the best for everyone that works for us. Um, the disadvantage is, is that when you actually sit somebody down to make a point or make a correction, um, because they're used to your management style being a one of inspiration, if you're coming in for a correction, you know, you, as opposed to if a man were correcting somebody, it'd be like, you know, that is not, I, they wouldn't necessarily be called bitchy. Right. Um, or, you know, that is the, the thing that women have to deal with is that if we come across as tough or stand up for ourselves, we're considered hard mm -hmm. or bitchy. And, um, you know, the longer I do this, the more I realize that's just par for the course. Um, and I don't think anyone in this room is afraid to stand up for themselves or even course correct when we need to. But um, that's, you know, I don't think most men have to deal with that. I think that's probably true, particularly for, you know, a man who's not just a hard ass all the time to everybody that they're around. I mean, I'm sure that when you get set down and have a serious conversation, that's not necessarily one of the first things to enter somebody's mind. Um, but, you know, everyone here, I've, you know, had a chance to talk with you, you know, several times and, and each time, you know, lively, upbeat kind of people. So I can only imagine, you know, oh my gosh, the shock when, when, the, the mood turns and it's time to be serious. Or if you're just focused. That's happened to me before where you're just focusing on something and you return, a, you know, a one answer question to somebody and they're like, are you okay? Or is everything fine? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm just focusing. Yeah. We've been chatting with Diana Keo, the CEO and founder of Sherwick Media Group. You were getting ready to say something. Well, there's that, um, what is that term? It's like, don't, um, don't misinterpret my kindness for weakness. And, um, you know, there are there's hard decisions that have to be made in business. And sometimes it's about the business and not, you know, it's business and it's not personal. Mm -hmm. And those are never my favorite things to take on. And um, but, you know, there's there's hard decisions that have to be made. So Leanne, Laura, any of the things that she's been saying, have they resonated with you as she's been telling her story? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because you talked about, you know, Leanne, you talked about uh, as you were founding Vixen Vodka and getting it off the ground and you were interfacing with the distributors and the, you know, the, the, the executives in that sector that you have to do business with. You talked about the fact that it's very much so. I mean, uh, you know, there were people that were outright surprised that you were a woman and you were actually given some advice to start with. Dude, this is a this is an old, old boys network. Why do you want to even try? Yeah, it was when I um, presented my business plan that I, I had never written a business plan before, but we Googled it and figured it out. And, um, <laughs> but I met with a business consultant and he read over the business plan and said it was probably one of the most brilliant business plans he'd read. It was answered every question before he even knew he had the question and he, he loved it. He sh shut it and put it down. He said, it's, it's perfect. You'll never make it. And I said, why? And he said, cause it's the liquor industry. It's all men and they will eat you up and spit you out. And my response to him was, we're building a brand. Yes, it's vodka and it's sexy, but we're building a brand that this could be a pair of pantyhose or a tube of lipstick that we're building a brand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we, you know, we have persevered, but yes, it is. <laughs> the liquor so, industry is very much. So talk about some of the experiences that you had or where did you, where did you run up against that, you know, example of what he was talking about? Well, as, as Diane was saying, it, you know, people are very surprised that it's two girls that went on a beach trip and started a vodka company. And so we do get a lot of, I call them pat-pats, like a little pat-pat oh, on the head. So oh, that's, that's so nice. cute. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I hate that. Good for you. I hate the pat-pat. <laughs> yeah. So I call it the pat-pat. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I don't get mad about it. It is what it is. It's just, it's just another thing that we just have to overcome. And... Um, the brand, it, you know, when you said it's all about business, the thing that we keep forefront in our mind all the time is it's all about the brand. 
So it's not about us. It's about the brand. And Mm -hmm. as long as we keep that in the forefront of our mind, then that's how we get through it all. Mm -hmm. And, and so when it came time to be introducing your product, you know, to the distributors and things like that, that obviously you have to go through, did you have no's that kind of, that either felt like, or were outright related to the fact that you're women in business or no? You know, not really. Um, most of our no's become, are because we're a vodka. I see. We hear more, oh, we have enough, we haven't, we have enough vodka. You know, we don't need another vodka. And that's, I call it vodka fatigue syndrome, that everybody's suffering from I've VFS. I've had that in the morning before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a bumper yeah. sticker, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we say we're the cure for VFS. Um, <laughs> so that's, we get way more of that than we do the, you know, the female part of it. Um, actually, I think a lot of people are, it's refreshing to them that it's two girls that that did this. But it's, it's you know, and w- when we get... Oh, well, there's a lot of vodka. I always say there's a lot of everything. Right. There's just a lot of everything. And mm-hmm. all that means to me is there's room for something something else and something better that's making our own way and filling a niche. Mm. And it sounds like one of the things that you did as you described your story, you know, today and, and in the past, uh, that you, you got good at, you know, picking up on some of the typical objections you're going to run into because you get it here, you know you're probably going to hear the same thing somewhere else, and you, you became effective at pivoting those objections or negatives into actually a positive and bounced it right back and you know in, in matter of fact yeah that's that's why we're here yeah absolutely and and you know you learn as you go you know it's not I'm not saying we haven't made mistakes we've made a ton of mistakes but I think our strength lies in recognizing those mistakes and learning from them and fixing them and I like what you said I mean I say it the same way basically which is be super smart about what you know but be way smarter about what you don't know because we didn't know the liquor business. So we knew Carrie, you know, has a background in marketing. I have a background in finance. So we knew that part of it, but we didn't know the liquor industry at all. And sometimes we feel like we still don't, but we have surrounded ourselves with people who do. And so any objection that we came up, you know, came up, came up to us as we were launching different markets, we had heard it before. So we knew how to pivot and make them feel better about picking us up. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just kind of breaking in, you know, different states have different setups and different requirements and so forth. So it's just kind of navigating those types of things really more than dealing with women in business now. It, it really is. And, and the funny thing is, is every state is, an, is new. So it's almost like we're a new brand all over again in every state. Mm-hmm. So... Which is kind of exciting because we get, you know, I mean, even though we've seen our website a million times and love it, people in Tennessee hadn't seen it. So it's a matter of getting that word out there again. And, and, and you know, we used Georgia as our pilot program. And, and so we knew what worked and what didn't. And so we just recreated as we go along and, and keep spreading that Vixen gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you all, you know, have, you, you talked about the fact that, you know, in terms of packaging and general marketing message that it you know you've really tried to kind of aim it at the female consumer but at the same time from my perspective as a as a man you know learning about your story seeing your you know your package the the website was great i love the brand anthem that you put together i thought that that was real impressive but to me as a man you know the way you all make it you know sexy it's it's you know it's it's about women but it's it's not from my perspective as a guy and i feel like i'm kind of a guy uh, i'm not real sort soft, of. you know all the time. Uh, but you know um i'm not off put by it at all and I, I i feel i feel fine purchasing the product and telling people about it um it's it, to me it's appealing it rather than um, but you're a little excluded. metro than most men well yeah but even even so if you he does have you know, a super sense the, of style the, the way i feel about <laughs> it is you you all are so classy and sassy about it yeah. um that it it makes it attractive i think you know at least i think would make most men want to give it a shot take it try it just because of the impression of you all well it's funny you know people say you have to be all things to all people and i disagree we, you know, we have a message and we have a strong message to, you know, our, our, our fellow vixens about being confident at the bar, but also being confident in all areas of your life. That's why we started this company. The vodka is delicious. It's won awards. It's, it's delicious. But it's, it's not about the vodka. It's about the fact that Carrie and I, you know, took the leap and went for it. And we're inspiring other women to go for their it, whatever that is. 
Um, we just happen to be doing it with vodka mm-hmm. and really, really good vodka. And men, men, we have found that men really love this vodka. The thing I like about the brand, uh, I think, is that it is, it's it's feminine, but it's feminine swagger in a way. If it's you very will. strong. It's it's really uh, aimed at the confident side of things. Be who you are. Celebrate who you are. It's very Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And and that's one of the things that I love about it. And of course, obviously, whenever you're the person talking about it, it, it comes. It really is right there. It's very much, I think, uh, a nice representation of your personality. And I haven't met your 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 partner yet, but. Uh, I would presume it's probably much in line with yours. Yeah, we are our own demographic for mm-hmm. sure. But um, <laughs> but yeah, when when we first started, and um, my ex-husband is our creative director, the whole husband thing didn't work out, but he's an amazing <laughs> creative director. And he said, what do you want your color scheme to be? And I said, anything but pink. I wanted this to come across as a very strong brand. Even the bottle itself is strong, strong mm-hmm. shoulders mm-hmm. and Everything about it should scream confidence, not pink it and shrink it. Right, right. Pink and shrink it. <laughs> can I? Can we go back to this like beach trip? I, wa- I mean, I'm it sorry was, I wasn't on it. It Sounds was like epic. it was a blast. Was yeah. Epic. So can we go back to that and how? I mean, of all the things that you could have done together, why vodka? Do what you know, right? I mean, we were vodka drinkers, um, and we had gone to the beach to. We were actually training for a triathlon. And we had gone to the beach to with do vodka. some with vodka. Yeah. With yeah. vodka. Of course, We're sitting I need to take a martini. break. Why <laughs> else do you work out? Let's be so serious. So you can drink more. I, I have said that before. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is serious. So, uh, so we all packed vodka and bathing suits <laughs> and went to the beach. And the conversation began because. Uh, we obviously like our cocktails but we were comparing why did we bring the brands that we brought and how did they market to us as women how did they talk to us did they talk down to us and we realized that the way the liquor industry markets to women is they market to men and they just think women are going to come along and the big aha moment for us was we realized that men order by brand and women order by drink so men would say i'll take a goose and soda i'll take an absolute neat i'll take a tito's and tonic and we say, we'll take a Cosmo, we'll take a vodka tonic, we'll take a, you know, not, I mean, I'm not being, saying every woman, but the majority. And that's when we realized that women don't have a brand at the bar. And so it was Carrie that said, oh, let's just start one and let's just call it Vixen. <laughs> and then we kept drinking. And um, I always say we <laughs> came home sobered up and remembered it was a good idea. But it was such a good name that I just assumed it was taken, but it wasn't. So I bought it. Did and you then, make it to the triathlon? Heck yeah. <laughs> How'd you do? Well, my two goals were not to be last and not to die. And so I accomplished my two goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic I don't, I don't know story. if I would do either, you know. So, so yeah. It was a good beach trip. So but, you know, I, my whole thing is everybody goes on beach trips or weekend trips or whatever. And you have these crazy ideas with your girlfriends. And then you come back to life and work and husbands and school and soccer games and dinners. And then you go on your girl's beach trip the next year. And you're like, oh, remember that really cool idea we had? And our whole thing is we took that idea and put action behind it. One of our favorite quotes is a dream without action is merely a fantasy. A fantasy. So we took the actionable steps to make it real. And it took us about two years from beach to shelf. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So besides your, you know, you had a, a business planner that you, you know, collaborated with and it was related to your, your plan. And he was obviously saying, well, you know, it's going to be a failure. Right. Or did you have other naysayers that were saying, well, you're women or anything along those lines that besides that person? Um, it's funny. I, I think although our families were very supportive, I think we got some pat pats from them as well. Um, Carrie's parents are, you know, she was always taught she had to be a company girl and stick with you know the corporate world until you retired and um, and then you know when I would say I have three brothers and I would say something to them they would be like well, that's cool you know like <laughs> it was almost yeah. like I was doing a scrapbooking project or something right uh, yeah. and um, I was like alright you know so we just kept going and, and what I have found is people are willing to help you if you ask them to hold your hand And it's not so much saying, oh, I have a stupid question or I have no idea what I'm doing. But I have asked everybody from patent uh, trademark attorneys to the TTB that gave us our licensing for the label to hold our to hold my hand. And I think once you give them permission to hold your hand in areas that you don't know what you're doing, that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. And and did you feel like more often than not, they were more willing they were willing to do so rather than. walk this person through it 
if I, I, I think it was the way I approached it too. Okay. I mean, I approached it about I'm a sponge and I want to learn everything. And you know, I met with a guy and another distributor, and he said, I need to know what experience you have in the liquor industry and don't tell me it's just that you like to drink it and I go okay well then I'm not going to tell you anything because that's the only experience I've had and he was like okay and so and I'm like so that you have to hold my hand and I mean I didn't even know what some acronyms meant in the industry we'd have to I mean we'd fake it till we made it you know people would talk to us about get the, the smartphone out <laughs> oh, you know mean? OND and after we'd leave we'd be like what's OND and then somebody's like it means October November December and I'm like oh so but we always gave the appearance of confidence. Yeah. Well, and, and I certainly get that. And uh, we've been talking with Leanne Maxwell, uh, one of the two ladies who founded Vixen Vodka, uh, a, a fantastic vodka that's available on the shelves throughout the Atlanta metro area and beyond. And beyond. Uh, We're you in, can um, check seven out. States now. That's right. And you can check out where those are on their website. And I want to uh, make sure we get uh, Laura Hodson on here with us, too, because she introduced us to Leanne. And uh, she's got a cool story, too, and the company that, that you founded uh, is doing some very cool things for the people that you work with. So it's, you know, for me, it's rewarding to help the community kind of learn about you. So, you know, if you will, jump on and talk to us <laughs> a little bit about Now Account and how it got started, and then we can kind of look at some of the things you ran into along right. the way. Well, so Now got started because of a problem that I had in my last company. And I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life, which I'm pretty sure means unmedicated ADD. Um, <laughs> I just I see problems and if people can't solve them I feel the need to solve them and which I think is important and I think it's a real strength that women have that we don't take advantage of because I think in many cases your greatest weakness is also your greatest strength so many people come up with an idea and they fall in love with the the what they fall in love with the widget or the product and if your ego and your passion is in the product then you are going to woefully undeliver on your opportunity but if your ego and your passion are in the so what in the impact in the problem that you're solving then the sky's the limit and so for me when I started nourish um, with with uh, my business partner Stacy I was a new mom and um, I had a child that was spilling things in the back of the car and people were handing him juice boxes and I hated all that sugary stuff so we came up with an idea for a spill-proof bottled water that was ready to serve and disposable, and we designed it, patented it, launched it. And I think, you know, a lot of women are accidental entrepreneurs. We, we didn't wake up as kids saying, I have to be the boss, right? right? I mean, right. It's, it's something happened in your life that either gave you the opportunity or gave you a need to solve, and I think that's awesome. It's not a weakness. In fact, that may be better than the people who spend their whole life saying, I want to be the boss, you know, no matter what, right? because your why is wrong, That's right. Um, whereas our why is very authentic. And so, you know, we started Nourish, we launched it, um, we had lots of people offering to give us private equity money, and we said, no, we're not giving up our company. So we bootstrapped it, we started selling into small retailers, small distributors, and the cadence worked fine, right? The orders were all about the same size, so the revenue from one order helped us fund the next order. And then about a year into it, we got our first big order from a national retailer. Like, Yay! You know, bag the big deal. It was it was a celebratory day until you started to do the math in your head and realized, wait a minute, so they're not going to write me a check when I deliver the product, and they're not going to give me a credit card. They wanted terms. And I was like, well, shoot, I can give you an invoice. You know? I mean, I didn't like the Pay idea. when you get it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, you know, the same point that was made earlier you take the order and figure it out later, right? right I mean, right. I knew 30 days was going to be a problem, but we'll figure that out later. So we took the order and, you know, got our vendors to go ahead and make the product and we shipped it and cobbled everything together and it was great. And then 30 days came and a check didn't. And 35 days came and a check still didn't come, but another order came and they said, this product's great. We're selling out. We're going to put you in two more distribution centers. And I was like, yeah, see, but there's a problem because you haven't paid me for the first order yet. And it took almost three months to get paid, wow. which, you know, employees need to be paid. Vendors need to be paid. And, you know, at first you sit there and say, my God, what did I do wrong? I should have known that. And to the point someone made before, you know what? You shouldn't have known that because I've yet to meet a person who starts their business because they have a passion for finance and accounting. Right. Unless you start a <laughs> CPA firm. Right. Right? You start your business because you have a passion for something, whether it's vodka or whether it's, you know, media or helping people. And 
particularly women, we're very hard on ourselves. We're, we have the market cornered on guilt. Um, you know, so it's like, gosh, what should I have done? No, you shouldn't have known that. And so as I went out looking for solutions, you know, banks weren't making loans unless you put up personal guarantees. And I wasn't going to put up a personal guarantee as a new mom with, you know, life-changing experiences. Um, there were large banks that have great asset-based lending groups, but their minimum line was a million dollars. They didn't need a million dollars. And so, you know, I just kept thinking, why can't it work like a credit card? Because when my smaller customers just pay me with a credit card, I get paid immediately. When and if you pay your Amex bills, not my problem. Right. It's not debt. So why won't, why can't I just take a card? And what I realized is nobody uses credit cards for payment in business to business transactions. And so we design now account and it's essentially the first merchant service that if you're a small business selling to other businesses or governments and you have to send an invoice, you can put it on your now account. It feels like taking a credit card costs less than taking a credit card. It's not a loan. And we take all the risk and your customer never knows you did it. And so you essentially have no more accounts receivable. You have all the cash you need to grow your business. And it's been amazing. I mean, our clients, after using Now Account for six or eight months, will triple their revenue. And so that's because they're able to then fund. They taking, can take bigger projects, bigger orders, yeah. right? Yeah, you can take that big account you wanted. But it's one thing to wait three months to get paid ten thousand dollars. It's another thing to wait three months to get paid four hundred thousand dollars. And so you can, for the first time ever, take those big accounts, take the government contracts. You know, most people want to grow their business. It's not a hobby, right? I mean, unless your business doesn't make money, then it is a hobby. But, you know, the point is most people have designed good products that have good market opportunity. They can be profitable, but they forgot the element of time. And I think entrepreneurs typically overestimate the amount of money it takes to launch. You can launch a business with very little money, but they drastically underestimate the amount of capital it takes to grow. Amen. And growth is the <laughs> <Yep>. key. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And a lot of customers at 30 days, I'd love 30 days. Oh, that would be, my favorite is when people say, well, Laura, I'm fine. We, I get paid on time. People pay me in 30 to 45 days. You know what? Why is that on time? I mean, I get you told somebody they could pay you 30 days later. It's like the Popeye's cartoon, right? right. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger <laughs> today. But the reality is on time would be I gave you product, you give me money. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. When you go to lunch, they get paid that day. Exactly. The piece I don't really so, know as it relates to the finance side of things is at what point does it make sense financially when your money is aging? When does a percent or two, you know, or two and a half in our case here, when does that make financial sense? Do you, you know what I'm saying? Is there a point at which your day sales outstanding? I've reached a point where if I can, you know, even if it's I'm taking home ninety seven and a half percent of it, it's it's financially more feasible than letting it go sixty days well, or fifty two days, whatever the that number varies is. varies by company. And the challenge most small businesses have is it's not days sales outstanding, it's years earnings outstanding. For most small businesses you probably have three to four years earnings outstanding. And so the real question is what is your cost of capital? Because if your internal cost of capital to fund that through your other sources is more expensive than at the end of the day, having that cash today, it's not just about the cost of capital, it's the cost of risk, right? So that money that someone else, that's your money, someone else is holding for free for 90 days. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, if you were a bank, you'd charge interest. Right. And so you're an indentured bank, and you're obviously not very good at it because you're holding my money for free for 90 days. Now, I know a lot of industries out there, they try to incentivize their customer to pay sooner oh, by they saying you get a discount. Yes, that's right. So then mm-hmm. they, they they still wait, but they send you the discounted price, right? Yeah. That, that Once was, it's in writing, it's out there. That's sort of like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. I mean, I remember <laughs> the whole 210 net 30 means you get a check 60 days later. They took the discount, and then they pay with a credit card. So I should pay you at that point for buying my product. Um, But, you know, it's not just about the cost of capital. So if you think about it, if you're fine waiting 45 days to get paid, that's awesome. You're making do. But if you could have that money today, what would you do? You'd buy more equipment. You'd hire more people. You'd sell more product. If you could grow your business threefold, 
it's not about the two and a half percent anymore, right? That's not even, that's your cost of capital. That's your cost of getting rid of risk. You have no risk. If you use now account, there is no bad debt because you're getting paid regardless. We take the risk. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to manage accounts receivable anymore. And nobody likes to manage accounts receivable. Begging people to pay you. People used to say, well, Laura, you know, your AR department can handle it. And I would laugh. I'm like, (laughs) have you seen my AR department? It's Friday morning. And it looks a lot like me. (laughs) (laughs) So small businesses... That, that we shouldn't bear that burden for the economy. And it's huge. It's over a trillion dollars right now that small businesses are holding in accounts receivable. We're the largest bank in the country. So how am I supposed to grow if you're holding my money for 90 days for mm-hmm. free? And all those big clients that we're all trying to bag, the bigger the client, the oh, longer yeah. it yeah, takes. The longer, the longer they hold it. Yeah. And a lot of times we have one client that actually if their PE, their PO order is paid within 120 days, wow. they take a 4% discount. <laughs> I had somebody tell me they were going to net 120 and I said, dude, that is practically consignment. I'm sorry. I don't know how you say that's a term with a straight face. Yeah, That's consignment. You've sold that product three times before you pay me. Wow. That's that's pretty crazy. So now as you were getting started and going through building your Mm -hmm. business, um, you know, we can focus if you want to on now account. Uh, Did you run into issues when you were either approaching investors or, you know, people that you were having to interface with as you built now account into what it is that being Laura Hodson versus Larry Hodson? (laughs) um, A lot of people call me Larry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You know, what's interesting is, when I was growing up, I was I was in sports a lot. I was a very active, competitive athlete all through college. Um, I was an engineer, and I've come to appreciate that engineering is probably the last true meritocracy because you're either good or you're not, and it really doesn't matter what your gender is or your color is or anything else like that. And so I think growing up in that world made me not as sensitive to some of those differences. And I think there's a good part of that because I do think your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And I don't ever view myself as a female entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be a woman. Right. And in my mind, that is one of the greatest assets I have. Because you're just ignoring it by, you know, just as a matter of I'm the not way you're ignoring it. it. I'm making it my positive. Right. So to your point, you're right. When I walk into a room, I was at a holiday party the other night hosted by a big private equity group. I was the only female in the room that wasn't with someone or wasn't an assistant. And that's awesome because I stand out. So I think if in your mind you worry that people view that as a weakness, then it becomes your reality and you'll act weaker. But if you view that as your greatest strength and you walk in the room and you know that you're different, you're going to stand out, people are going to remember you, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm on a panel and everyone else is a 45-year-old male wearing the same suit and tie and I look different, (laughs) I am going to say something so shocking just because you will remember it. And any one of those men could say the exact same thing and nobody would remember it. So my mindset is that it's my strength. And I use that all the time to make sure that my message gets across to make sure that I always believe in a negotiation that if people's expectation is lower than your reality then you're gonna win Mm -hmm. if their expectation is higher than your reality then you're gonna lose right Right. so for me I love it when people say you know it's scary negotiating with you because you're smiling when you say something so awful (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a that's a huge asset for me because you think I'm giving you everything you want and I'm really not. But you felt good while I was doing it. Right. So it's you know, it's one of those things where you create your own reality. If I viewed being female as a negative, it would absolutely be a negative. Mm-hmm. But as long as I view it as a positive, then it becomes one of the greatest assets I have. Well, you know, I can see as I've you know, over time independently of each other, you know, talk to you all. I mean, I, I can certainly see um, a, a similarity in, in your personalities. There's a, there's definitely, you, know, you talked about the why do you do it, you know, mm-hmm. versus the, the so what, the, it's what. Not the what. Yeah. And, and I think that that's present here, mm-hmm. you know, with each of you, which is, you know, and it, and it comes out in the way you talk about what you do. So, you know, if for the female who's listening today, I mean, what kind of advice would you give to that that woman who's thinking, gosh, you know, trying to start, or do you have any kind of advice? Obviously yeah. one being embrace the fact that you're a woman and don't fear if you're one of the few. Right. Well, I think for me, one of the things I hated when I was growing up is people would always say you should do what you're passionate about. 
And I used to hate to hear that because I'm passionate about a lot of things. <laughs> and I think what happens, particularly with women, we're all surrounded by people in our lives that, that love us dearly and they want to help us. And whether it's the pat pat or whether it's the you know words of encouragement, what you'll find is if you're good at something, people encourage you to do more of it. And for a lot of us, we have to realize that what you're good at doesn't mean it's what you're passionate about. I'm good at a lot of things that I don't particularly like. Mm-hmm. And so you have to say to yourself, is that really what I want to do? But I think even beyond that, when people say do what you're passionate about, I disagree. I don't think you should do what you're passionate about. I think you should do so what you're passionate about. Because again, it's the impact. My passion, I have run a footwear company that I started with Shaquille O'Neal. I've run a service business in the you know web development space. I've run a financial services company. I've started a water business. I'm not an expert in any of those things. I have a degree in aerospace engineering. And so give yourself permission for your great idea to not be your area of expertise. It's okay. It's awesome. Because you're going to approach the problem totally differently than anybody else's. And that's what's unique. But my passion is not any of those what's. The what can change tomorrow. My passion is that I'm changing the world and I'm making it better for somebody. And so I think if you focus on that, then you shouldn't do what you're passionate about. You should do the so what that you're passionate about. So it gives you the ability to say... This is what I'm. This is what I'm here to talk about. But here's why it's awesome. It's it will change Absolutely. your life because of thus. And I don't such. even like finance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. That's not my passion. But it is kind of cool. The stories. But that come I out of love yeah. that every day people call me right. and say I tripled my business because of you. I made payroll because of you. I was able to take that big contract because of you. When you when when your client calls you and says I started with three employees in January and because of you I have fifty and it's June, that's not a number. Right? That's 47 families that now have opportunity they never had before. That's what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I, I would say for me, um, I would tell somebody just take the leap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all listen to the negative voices in our head way too much. Um, I had a girl say, I have all these great ideas, and then I talk myself out of them. And she said the negative voice in her head, she named her Helga. <laughs> so I said, don't listen to Helga and and just start it may be baby steps but take them to take do the something lead. do yeah. something yeah and also remember it's going to be harder than you think it is and mm-hmm. uh you know the one thing i'm grateful for with my as a journalist most of what i was writing about i knew nothing about so it was almost like taking on a term paper every time i i took a new article and with every every step of this business it's been like writing a term paper so I'm really good at research and really good at finding I mean a journalist is never quoting the journalist I mean I was never (laughs) quoting myself I was always quoting those experts so most of what I do now is finding those experts that are better than I am that can help me in whatever whatever I'm doing so that is you know the skill set if you're, you know, if you like finance or even if you don't like finance, every single step of the business to grow it, you have to look at it as though it's a research project and finding the best people that can do it. And when I first started, it was more like, and it was like having a warm body. And even though they said that they could do it, there was a part of me that said, it's just a warm body and you can't, you know, I can't afford someone to do that. Well, if I were to do it all over again, I never would have taken somebody at their word that they could do what they said they could do without checking them out. And as a journalist, we always say, we're taught in journalism school, if your mother tells you she loves you, you check it out. (laughs) 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 And here I was having, you know, people approaching me because, you know, I was growing so fast that they wanted to be part of it. They all want to help. Yeah, they all want to help and they, you know, all want X amount and I would never... You know, I assumed that they were doing because they were recommended by a friend, and that was the limit of what I, well, that has changed, my friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that is like, make sure that you surround yourself with good people, but make sure that you really, really check references on those good people that you have around you. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to hire for mindsets, not skill sets. Exactly. I can teach anybody (laughs) to do what I need them to do, but you can't teach people how to think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think that that ends up being the thing as it relates to your business, and it's you know, the com- composition of your, of your team. I mean, I feel like that is the piece that ends up being the most disappointing is when you have somebody who has the credentials that they need. They've got ex- right. X, Y, Z years of experience mm-hmm. and thus and such 
special area of your business, whether it's the financial side or sales, whatever, but then they get there and you, you cannot, you can't inspire them to own and, um, personalize the business and the, right. the, the intangibles, the people that come to you that just, you know, they, they just have a passion and, and they want to get behind something. And, uh, that's the piece I think that you have to look for. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, that's gotta be one of the hardest pieces is to go through people. And, and how do you pull that out mm-hmm. up front? Well, it's also building the culture of your company. And uh, are these, you know, with as much as we do have to travel for projects, are these going to be people that I want to spend three hours in an airport <laughs> with? Um, which is, you know, and, and here's the skill set, here's the mindset. Right. Are they actually going to be part of a team or is it all going to be about them and what they need? So it's it's kind of discerning that. And, you know, I've only been doing this for four years. So it's been, you know, trial and error. And I've mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes. Well, you know, I have to say it's been a, a pleasure for me to get to know each of you and, and um, you know, to be able to sit down and have conversations like this that will hopefully, you know, take somebody else uh, who's sitting there with a great idea, uh, whether it's a solution that will solve some sort of business uh, problem or a product that will, you know, help people's lives or give them joy, whatever the case may be, if they purchase it. Um, hopefully, you know, getting a chance to hear uh, three women who've successfully launched a brand and built it into a business that uh, is thriving because each of your businesses obviously are um, hopefully our, our listener out there will be able to be you know want to dig deeper into your stories because I know each of your websites is pretty good about telling that story and, and there's information out there both in video uh, and in print that will help them kind of dig deeper into finding out about each of you and and uh, maybe take the leap themselves yep. successful so far you're never there yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, I, I think the trajectories are certainly looking <laughs> up anyway. Um, so, you know, Krista, thanks for being here. Yeah, uh, it's always a board. pleasure having a having a studio full of ladies, especially <laughs> sassy ones. You guys give me chill bumps every yeah, time yeah. with your stories. It's not a bad thing for me to be the only guy in the room today. <laughs> um, so thank you all. Diana Keo of Sherwick, Leanne Maxwell of Vixen Vodka, and Laura Hodson of Now Account. Get to know them because each of them has a product or a service that's going to uh, bring something to your life. And Leanne, you know, you've got the, you've got the spirits. And then, of course, obviously Now Account for the company out there that's trying to serve uh, businesses as a client obviously learn more about them because i can assure you if you're not getting paid very quickly we're bringing cash and that's pretty sexy that's right (laughs) then uh, they can absolutely help you out and if you need your story told in an effective way that will help people really connect in an emotional way with the 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 things that you're trying to say the points you're trying to get across obviously sharework is going to help you do that effectively so uh, great people to get to know more about and to uh, use as inspiration for your own particular story so anyway our time is already up as as flies it, right it by. goes so fast once <laughs> we get here and get to talking to these cool people so um get to know them link up with us on the show's uh, twitter page and uh, facebook if you've not already we're at midtown brx and then uh, you know same thing on facebook uh, we link in with all of our guests so that you can tie into their website and social media as well if you all want to run through that real fast you're welcome to do to throw throw out your your contacts for online so folks can link up with you there yeah i'd love for them to go to vixenvodka.com to see where to buy we make a great holiday gift it's a great, uh, <laughs> great website too really cool is. website it is. and ours is nowaccount.com okay and ours is sherwick.com that little website. That little website. <laughs> yeah. How's your little website going? That's a question she loves. So anyway, thanks again for making us a part of your afternoon again today. Make sure you uh, make an appointment to see us same time, same place next week. 